0: Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast is a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Concerning Him seeks to enrich Christians around the globe by educating and equipping them through various media. For more information about Emmaus, please visit Emmaus.edu. Welcome to Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast. I'm your host, Eric Rasmussen, and today we are joined by Ray Guerra. Welcome, Ray.
1: Thank you, Eric, for having me.
0: It's great to have you. Ray Ray is an Emmaus alum who is now the Associate Dean of Academic Affairs here at Emmaus, as well as the Worship Coordinator at Galena Bible Church in Galena, Illinois. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Great. Well, how about we get started off by you telling us a little bit about how you got to where you are today?
1: Yeah. It's it's um, As I think back, it's pretty amazing just to see how the Lord led every step of the way. And it's um, very different than maybe what my expectations were. But I came to emmaus in 2012 to study bible and music education and i graduated in 2017 with a bachelor's in music education k-12 through met my wife here at emmaus uh, got married in 2015 and if you would have asked me right around the time i got married right around the time that i was graduating college what i was going to do the rest of my life i felt a strong calling to be a music educator i thought that uh, the opportunity that I had with my music teachers growing up was so unique and, and so uh, influential to my life that I wanted to be that uh, in a school setting. And so that's, that's where I felt a strong pull um, towards and that's what I pursued. So I graduated with my bachelor's degree in music education um, and I stayed around the area. I taught at a Christian school here in, in the area. For a little while and really enjoyed my time there and taught K-12 music, I taught choir, I taught band as well. I was involved in ministry at the church that I was at at the time, which wasn't Galena Bible Church at that time. And, uh, and then I, everything happened. The Lord sort of made this big shift. He called me into ministry at a different church than the one I had been at while I was here at Emmaus, uh, which is now Galena Bible Church. And then he also very clearly directed me away from being a music educator to being uh, involved in student lives in a different way here at Emmaus Bible College. So in 2008, uh, 19, I came to Emmaus to be director of campus life and worked in the student life department, Uh, learned a lot. I was still pursuing what I uh, wanted to do from the beginning, which is influence the lives of students through music. Um, but wasn't doing it directly through music, I was doing it through the student life department here at Emmaus. Um, and then most recently, as you mentioned, I switched roles this last academic year uh, for, to associate dean for academic affairs. And so part of my role there is to be the director of the Emmaus Global Campus. Which, uh, if I can announce, if that's okay, yeah, absolutely. Uh, this summer, breaking news: we are excited that we are offering two online programs, uh, accredited online programs, fully online programs. We have our one-year Bible certificate. Um, that's it's this it's the same courses that students do when they come here on campus, but it's all online, so uh, people can come for the one-year Bible certificate or they can do it online. And then we also have an adult degree completion program for those who have some college already and would love to get a bachelor's degree in Bible. They can complete their bachelor's degree in Bible. And so just going to do a little plug here. You can visit global.emais.edu for more information about the Emmaus Global Campus. We think that this opportunity to um, spread the ministry of what further the ministry that Emmaus is doing here uh, online is something that we're excited about. So just... Uh, very shameless plug there for the Emmaus <laughs> no, Global that's, Campus.
0: That's great. I'm, I'm excited for Emmaus finally being able to take that step. It's mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. It's huge. Are you enjoying working with Global Campus? Yeah,
1: it's great. I feel like it's still sort of in its infancy. I mean, there's a lot of things that have been established already, but getting yeah. to work with the faculty and the staff that are in the Global Campus department uh, has been a real joy and just continue to uh, find ways to make it grow by offering more f- future online offerings in the Global Campus.
0: All right. Well, today we're not going to just be talking about global campus, yeah. although that would be pretty exciting. It would be exciting. What, as as Ray mentioned, one of his passions is music. Hmm. Um, he he wanted to teach music. He he uh, he's working in music, right? Yeah, you're working mm-hmm. in music. Just hopefully your your boss isn't listening. How many hours a week do you probably put into uh, into preparing for? Uh, wor- being the worship leader there at Glenda Bible Church.
1: Yeah, I, 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 you know, I was doing the math actually recently. Okay. Um, but I'm averaging twelve to fifteen hours a week. Okay. Uh, all together. So that's including leading, mm-hmm. leading rehearsals, leading Sunday services, prep time, uh, meetings with uh, the pastor, the senior pastor there, as we prepare for each Sunday service together. Um, all together, putting the slides, everything. It's about fifteen, twelve to fifteen hours a week. Okay.
0: So this is something that is on your mind for at least 12 to 15 hours a week, if not yeah, more. Yeah, every week. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. 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 So we're going to be talking about this music's role in worship, mm-hmm. something I'm really, really excited about. And To start off, I wanted to ask you, you know, a lot of people equate music and worship. They use them synonymously. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so with that, uh, which, which we probably would both agree isn't a proper use of either of those terms, correct? But how would you define worship? And what would you say music's role in worship is?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, I heard a a saying once, I can't remember where it came from, but it went something along the lines of definitions are sometimes dangerous, because sometimes when we attempt to define a word uh, with precision, we end up missing a significant aspect of the word in defining it. And so I think sometimes it's helpful to have multiple definitions and try to yeah. glean from it. And so two definitions that have been helpful for me as, a, as it pertains to worship are, um, and, and let me say this too, is that I use the word word worship in multiple ways. Okay. Uh, I use the word worship to describe the service that happens on Sunday. Sometimes mm-hmm. we call it the worship service. Sometimes the Lord's Supper is called the worship service. Sometimes the, just the Sunday service is called the worship service. And so I use it that way also. I use it to describe the kind of music. So the music that exalts uh christ and and the father and the holy spirit is often also categorized as worship music yeah Uh, i don't have a problem with that as long as we understand what i mean by that and then uh the other worship the other way we use worship which is the one i want to define here is uh what i call capital w worship okay right which is a little bit more encompassing than just these specific scenarios of the kind of music or the um, or the service it's the W worship. And so the two definitions that have been helpful for me that maybe would be helpful for others. One is uh, Warren Wearsby. You know, he's written a lot yep. of commentary, yep. a lot of Bible studies. And he has a very simple definition for worship. He says, worship is the believer's response. So it begins with the believer. Okay. The believer's response of all that they are. And then he adds, he says, it's mind, emotions, will, and body. So all that we are. So it's our response to what God is, says, and does. So it, I I think that's very simple definition. It's our response. So it, it doesn't include music, but it doesn't exclude music. Um, it but it includes our prayer life, our conversations, our relationships. The way I treat my wife and and my child mm-hmm. is an act of worship. Is the way I I decline my selfish desires to to be Christ-like are all acts of worship. It's the response of who, who God is, says and does, and what that's done to my life. Okay. Yeah. Another definition that's been helpful, if I can add another yeah, one. Yeah, absolutely. Please. Um, Bob Coughlin, he's written a lot on the subject. He's contributed a lot. He's got a couple of books on the subject that I would recommend. Um, but he, def- he has a couple of definitions, but this one I like because it has uh, three R's, so it helps me remember <laughs> what, what it is. Uh, biblical worship, he says, is God's covenant people. So it begins again. This one actually begins with God, right? So which is unique, different there, but uh, biblical worship is God's covenant people. Uh, Here are the three R's. It's recognizing, reveling in, and responding rightly to the glory of God in Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the three R's of recognizing is that we're coming together or doing it individually, but coming together to recognize God's glory. Yeah, we are reveling in, we are enjoying this truth, and then we respond rightly. We respond accordingly, and that can be in singing, that can be in prayer, that can be in, in 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 conversations that I have on Sunday even. Yeah, and so I I'd say that that's that's how I would define worship, and the role that music has in worship is that. It it, it um, facilitates the response, right? Okay. So the worship leader is sort of facilitating this response, guiding the thoughts of the saints, and and as we, you know, exalt these truths, these gospel truths, we're facilitating a right response. Okay, and we're saying we're going to uh, sing truth. This truth that we are singing is sort of instilling in us a desire uh, to live for for the Father as well for our King. And so I, I'd say that that's how they go hand in hand is okay. that the leading in music sort of helps facilitate that response.
0: That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that's that's great. Um, I think that one was technically four R's. You had right response or. Oh, responding. Responding Right. I there guess that could go. be a
1: fourth one. Yeah. <laughs> but the verbs are the yes. recognizing, reveling and responding.
0: Recognizing, reveling and responding. I really like that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where would you say the line is between the art of music and then the theology in the lyrics?
1: Yeah, this is hard because uh, I can I can envision maybe an elder at the church saying, yes, that's the question we need to ask <laughs> for their reasons. And I can also envision a worship leader saying, yes, that's the question we need to ask. Um, and we're all coming from our, our own perspectives. Yeah. And I think there is something about music and art that speaks to the Creator, and so I think there is a place for it in our worship services, in our gatherings, right? Yeah. So, the the fact that there are so many combinations of notes, there's so many there's so many options in chord progressions speaks of the one who created, who enabled music to be to be yeah. performed, to be done. Speaks of of God, and so it speaks of His magnitude and His majesty, uh, because the Creator is bigger, mm-hmm. right? than this art. And this art is big yeah. in our minds, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's so complex, so many <laughs> options. Um, so I would say that there is something about the art that speaks of the creator okay. that I think that can be done skillfully and tactfully in our church services, but it can't trump theology. Okay. Right. And so there is this tension that we should hold and the art I think can be present. I think it's good to have some creativity. Um, you know, when I think about the art of music and theology, a practical sort of scenario is thinking like, should we have interludes? Should okay. we have a solo section yeah. in, a, in a song like, oh, oh no, that's a performance now. It's no, it's no longer a worship service. But I think I, I this is my personal thought. I think sometimes instrumental music can also influence our thoughts. Okay. Um, I think music itself influences our emotions. You know, if we go back to Warren Wiersbe's definition of it's the believer's response of their mind, emotions, body, and will. Um, it's okay to to address all of those aspects. We are yeah. created with a will, with yeah. emotions, with an intellect. And so I think that if if song if a song or a, a musical piece sort of um, touches the emotions, I think it's okay mm-hmm. as long as it doesn't exclude the other ones. You okay. know, it needs to also uh, bring in the intellect and talk about the truth and deep truths in your songs and in your worship sets, as well as instill sort of the right response, which is the will. Okay. In there, so there is a tension there um, as far as the importance, I think that theology always trumps the art. So there's a song that, you know, just really hits hard to your personal life. I'm talking to the worship leaders right now (laughs) and you're saying, man, it really ministers to me. And I think it's going to minister to others, but it's, um, not only is it not deep, which we can talk about that. I think we will talk about it here today, but, um, not only is it not deep, but it's, It's uh, iffy, you know. It's not clear on the theology. Then, as a, uh, it's the responsibility of the worship leader to discern: uh, is this going to be really helpful in teaching? Right? Colossians three sixteen says that we teach and admonish one another by singing psalms and hymns and and spiritual songs, and so uh, it's it's an act of teaching as well. So we want to be careful what we're teaching. So the art can't trump theology. Okay. uh, But theology needs to be sort of in the in the front burner for the okay. worship leader to think about, how does this work? But I think art is okay. Talking to the elders and the church leaders, I think a little art, this is personal, personal <laughs> preference, I realize you have to contextualize where you are, but I think it's okay. It speaks to the creator. And I think it is the responsibility of the worship leader yeah. uh, to communicate that, right? To not make it about themselves. This song ministered to me, this instrumental was helpful for me, Yeah. but it's thinking about what is helpful for the congregation think about these things, you know, sometimes I will put a Bible verse in a musical interlude to okay. continue to influence the thoughts yeah. of the saints, because we're there to sing together. We're there to worship together. It's not Absolutely. a solo act yeah. by any means. So I rambled there a little bit, no. Eric. But
0: Hey, I'd, I'd happily listen to a solo act by you, oh, but I, I appreciate your point. Yes. Yeah. Um What is then the the importance when you're picking those songs? Like how much thought are you putting in to... What is the depth of the theological content in this song, or, you know, the music of this is pretty bland, but the lyrics are beautiful. And are you putting a lot of thought into that? What's that process like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely give it a lot of thought, uh, and even with giving it a lot of thought, I think sometimes things fall through the cracks. Like okay. I'll miss something, and somebody will say to me, "Hey, did you did you hear this this line of this song?" And maybe there's another line in the song that I wanted to really bring attention to, and I did, but I missed another one. And so you have a brother or sister Mm -hmm. in Christ sort of exhort you to say, you should think about that. Sometimes I omit the song altogether and say like, yep, that was wrong. And I I don't wanna bring clarity or it's causing some confusion, so it's not worth it. Uh, Other times I say, no, this is biblical. This is a biblical principle here. And I'm going to, next time I I sing this song, I'm gonna touch on that. I'm gonna introduce the song by touching on that, on that biblical principle a little bit more in deep. In depth, but as far as like the, the process, um, I'd like to think of uh, and this is recent, I'd say in the last like two years or okay. so, I've started thinking about crafting worship sets more than choosing songs. I think I, I shifted from choosing good songs that went together musically, like and worship leaders can understand this we do a fast song medium song, and then with a slow song, right? Okay. That's the formula that if you walk to any <laughs> church, that's a pretty common formula. And so you choose songs by saying, okay, what are my fast songs? What are my medium songs? What are my slow songs? Yeah. Um, but taking a step a little higher is looking at what's the narrative I want to communicate here. And I was challenged by a pastor at Galena Bible Church, Gary, uh, to, to be gospel-centered, to be gospel-centered and to prepare the thoughts of the saints for the sermon as well. Okay. And so the aim here is to create one service, right? It needs to feel, it needs to feel like we're communicating a message yeah. and it's not checking boxes, right? So we have our one song, check. Announcements, check. Yeah. Fast, medium, <laughs> slow, check. Offer Offering, does that make sense? It just yeah. feels like these elements yeah. as opposed to how can we make one piece? So my process looks like looking at the passages that were that we're going to be yeah. in the next sunday and i try to pull themes that i think i can pick songs from sometimes themes are a little harder like we're going through james right now and we talked about the tongue yeah uh well there's not many songs songs about the tongue in the context of james yeah but there are ways that we can bless the lord with our our words yes and so that's the piece i said say so we're going to be talking about the tongue and we're going to spend some time today using our tongue to um, encourage the fellow saints we're singing with and to bless the Lord. And so that was sort of the way I crafted the service. Okay. And as far as gospel centered goes, I like to incorporate some, you know, adoration, a moment of adoration in the set, a moment of confession of realizing like we fail, like even in, you know, using the tongue, there's going to be conviction. I know conviction is coming because we've all failed. We've all uh, used our tongue to hurt people. And so having a little moment, whether that be in my prayer or whether that's in the song, right? There's like a bridge that kind of alludes to the, our deep need for the Savior. I want to I sort of bring that out and then end with assurance of salvation. But he is faithful. Okay. And so those are the things I hold intention. Those are the things I look at. Uh, I look at sort of the gospel message. Can I formulate that? And then can I use the theme of the sermon yeah. to inform the way I craft the worship set? So as far as like individual songs... I have my list of songs that I've sort of said these are the songs that that the church knows. These are the songs I want to introduce, mm-hmm. and then I start looking at the at the text, and I we create we craft these services together. And so uh, that's sort of the process. Now yeah. it's evolved; it continues to evolve. I'm sure, yeah. Um, but that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. So I think of just in, in summary. Yeah, I think of the worship set not the individual songs I that try makes to create sense. a narrative. Okay. Uh, another way of think of it is like the bullet points of your sermon. Yeah. Each song is a bullet point. And so what's the overall message or aim? Mm-hmm. And then those are the those are the songs I picked that that kind of help me com- communicate that.
0: Okay. Well, um, one thing I do want to talk about next is I, I want to talk about using songs that were written well by churches with with troubling doctrine, but before we get there Let's take a quick break to tell you about an exciting event coming up at Emmaus. Uh, We'll be right back with Ray. Are you a parent of an Emmaus student? Are you an Emmaus alumni? If you answered yes to either of these questions, you should visit the Emmaus campus on September 24th and 25th. We will be celebrating both Parents Weekend and Emmaus' 80th reunion. The weekend gives you an opportunity to connect with students, other alumni, and the faculty and staff. You will also have time to attend classes, visit chapel and tour the campus. Friday afternoon, you can hear an update about the college from President Phil Boom, and afterwards watch a home soccer game. Saturday morning, we'll have John Rush's famous library book sale, as well as a golf tournament. Following these events, there will be a picnic for lunch and both volleyball and soccer games to watch in the afternoon. Saturday afternoon, we'll also have the alumni soccer game. For more information, visit emmaus.edu 80th. That's emmaus.edu and we are back well like like i said one of the things i want to talk about now is what to do with songs that are written well maybe the theological content is there in the song maybe it's not it's a beautiful song everybody's loving it it's on it's on the radio most churches are singing it, but it comes from a church or a group of people that have troubling doctrine. Um, and maybe, and I don't know where you want to take this, but, you know, a church that's often given as an example, whether this would be Bethel and Bethel mm-hmm. Music, um, there's other churches out there. It could even simply be maybe churches, maybe we would not call it troubling doctrine, but might even be churches that teach a doctrine that we might disagree with. And mm-hmm. And how do we handle that? How do we approach
1: that? What are your thoughts? Yeah man that's a that's a tough question um and just like the other questions you asked these are my personal thoughts yeah right? absolutely so, um and i'm not going to pretend to have it all together either i i, I think about these things often i talk mm-hmm. about it with people often and so i'm just going to share some of my experience here but as far as well written songs so your question is what do we do with well written songs yes that are written by these people so we're 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 not going to even talk about the songs that are not theologically sound. Yes. We throw those out. We, you know, it doesn't matter who wrote them. We shouldn't be singing them in the church. Yes. Right. Uh, But what about the well-written songs that are from, from groups of churches that are have troubling backgrounds? Well, I would first just say that um, to the worship leader, to the elders is to pray and use a lot of discernment. Um, It's not about the worship set. Uh, or the way even all our planning is not about the songs we sing; it's about the people that we are serving, it's about the the the, the gathering of the saints. That's what we're and that's what we're preparing for is for this gathering, this um, sort of this highlight, this climax of the week is the gathering of the saints. And so, with that in mind, we want to use a lot of discernment to say what is most helpful and what is not helpful. John Piper had a good uh, podcast, one of these short Ask Pastor John podcasts, yeah. and uh, he addresses this issue, which was very helpful for me, is that um, he just says there are thousands of songs that the church that are good, well-written songs mm-hmm. that, that are maybe less controversial than the one song that mm-hmm. our listeners might be thinking about. Okay. Uh, you have to use a lot of discernment. I would say most of the time, it's not worth the argument. Okay, I think you just say this isn't worth it. Now, every now and then there may be a song that you say, man, we're in this series. this song is well written. It fits so well with the series of what we wanted to accomplish with the service. And so you may have an argument to say, we're going to introduce this song. Yeah, it's okay to introduce a song and say, uh, this song is so well written. The Lord uses, you know, humble people to do his work and, and this song is easy to sing. It has, it has good, deep Bible truth, but the people who are written, they're written from, you know, as evangelicals, we have a little, uh, have an issue with their doctrine. Uh, but let us let us rejoice in the truth that this song communicates. I think that's okay. Do, do you feel a need to make that disclaimer? To say, hey,
0: this church is troubling, these writers are troubling, but this is good?
1: Yeah. So we're going to get in the weeds here. Okay. Um, <laughs> so... I've been at churches where all we put on the screen are the slides, like yeah. the song titles. So then, a lot of people don't even know who okay. was written by. Yeah, so maybe you don't make a big deal out of it, and it's fine. Um, CCli, I think, y- usually re- asks that you put the CCli number at mm-hmm. the beginning of the song, and a lot of church presentation software go ahead and includes the ccli and the title of the song with the writers and composers of the music okay so every now and then at our church i'll have somebody say hey i noticed that this was collaboration between so-and-so and and bethel why are we singing bethel songs and and so we just i i tried to reorient our attention from bethel to say like well what did the song say yeah well don't we need this reminder like amen praise the lord um So as far as the need for it, I I think I would rather do it sort of one-on-one. If you were in a church context where it's sort of been communicated from the pulpit that you should not listen to these things, these things are wrong, then you should address it. Then you say, we're making an exception here. Here's the thought behind it. So it just depends on sort of your congregation of of what you've already communicated, where, where your church is at. Um, and whether it would be most helpful to say something, or maybe it's most helpful to not say something and use some of that discernment. Mm -hmm. I would say just also, um, if you're going to do this and you know this is a touchy subject at your church, is just make sure to have your elders sort of on board with it as well. So sending them an email to say, I know this is from this church group, but I think it's it's worth it. I would say there are a lot of songs that we sing in the church that are written by people who have different theological yeah. um, beliefs than we do, or that I do. Yeah. I think of you know I just mentioned Bob Coughlin, but he has some you know eschatological beliefs that I don't agree with, but he has really good songs that he's written for the church yeah. that are that are are well written. Think of Charles Wesley. He's yeah. got some beliefs that I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, or had had some beliefs that I don't necessarily agree with but he has really good hymns that the church sings and I would say the church should sing yeah so use discernment the goal isn't we don't sing these songs for the song's sake we sing songs to to magnify the Lord to um fulfill sort of this idea we're gathering together to to magnify his name to worship him together to do it corporately and so it's it's the the people in mind that we should have when we choose these things and makes these make these calls so it's not an easy call there's no cookie cutter answer i guess to okay. this um sorry if somebody was looking for that <laughs> but it is a tricky a tricky uh, yeah. question and you need to pray and have some discernment and talk to your church leaders and have an open conversation about it um that's my that's my thought
0: okay Well, I want to get to just one more question uh, before we wrap up our time here. So I just know at a lot of churches, I would say at most churches, maybe all churches, there's this difference of opinion over what type of music should be sung corporately for worship, right? Mm. You know, you think of the classic church and you've got the older people that say, we just want hymns, we just want a piano, maybe even no piano, and that's it. You've got the younger people and they say, and we want the drum set and we want the electric guitars and we want all these things and and uh, we want all the new music the stuff that's being played on the radio the stuff that i can find on, on apple music or spotify that's what i want to listen to right now i don't want 1800s you know hymns yeah as somebody
1: leading the music mm. how do you handle that man i'm still figuring it out <laughs> <laughs> i'm still figuring that one out i would say to somebody who's in ministry uh, dealing with with this, so a scenario: there's a young person who was asked to lead music, and um, he's maybe he has the desire of getting out of like only hymns mode. Okay, would that yeah. be a yeah. sort of Absolutely. scenario? Yeah, is how do I get out of the only hymns mode? I think it's a process. I personally think it's a process worth going through, uh, but it's worth going slow at. So we shouldn't make these changes or any big changes for that matter. Um, at the risk of not ministering to the people who are there. right? Okay. So if you were to make some of these changes and on that Sunday there was no uh, congregation participation, you, you should not do that again. Okay. Um, but there are small steps you can take. You can uh, start doing hymns in a more modern yeah. way. There's a lot of hymn albums out there that you can listen to. I know that Shane and Shane or the Worship Initiative oh, yeah. have albums of of hymns it's interesting actually their hymns they have what um right now sort of in the 2010s uh or 20s now yeah. <laughs> but we're sort of in this transition between the 10s and the 20s um we're, we're seeing more mod hymns is what they're calling modern okay. hymns, modern hymns and they're songs that are written with the church in mind and sort of going back to our roots of of hymn writing right Okay. and so people like the gettys are yeah. writing this way um i know that the the sovereign grace sort of group are written or writing songs yeah. this way. Uh so because of those those things are available that are, are good songs to sing with the church, uh, I think it's worth making some of these efforts. And so some of the strategies may be doing hymns in the more modern way and then introducing some of these other you know, be very strategic as to when and how introducing these elements. Maybe it's just you're on a guitar and there's a pianist who can play chords and you say, Hey, can you just play with me? And it's just it's just uh, acoustic and piano for eight okay. months or something like yeah. that. And then you have somebody who can play percussion. So you had a percussionist, and now you have a three-piece band there yeah. that you're leading with on Sunday. So make small movements uh, towards it. I think it's a worthwhile endeavor. Um, and it's beyond the the age piece. I think it's really, um, you know, just like these these theologians have written songs that we've sung for for. Yeah. many many years there are songs being written today that i hope will be, we will sing for many 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 okay. years um i think of his mercy is more yes yeah. uh who that it is it ministers to me and it's so true of of my my i would be buried in my debt uh of of sin but his mercy is more amen uh, that's that's such an amazing truth that i think the church should sing and yeah. it's a modern song i mean it was just yeah. written a few years ago I think of songs like this call and response you know uh Andrew Peterson wrote is he worthy yeah uh that kind of points to and there's not many songs that point us to a a time after you know that will be an eternity right yeah and so it kind of brings our thoughts to that and so that's a song worth having in our repertoire and singing and having this sort of call and response where we're corporately encouraging our our, um each other and uh and challenging each other to think about there's going to be an eternity where we're going to spend with God the Father um, in, in heaven. And so because of these songs that are available that are worth singing, I think it's a worthy, worthy endeavor. Just be very careful and be slow, there's no rush. Um, the goal is to minister to the church body that you have there. Yeah. So don't do it for the sake of the music, do it because you say you think it's worth singing and introducing those songs and teaching your congregation. Again, going back to Colossians 3.16, teaching your congregation through the, through those music, through those songs.
0: That makes sense. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being on today. Uh, thank you for having me. We'll have to have you on again. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to. Yeah. I, I'd love, we keep talking about this for forever. So yeah, it's <laughs> yeah great. let's do it again. It's great. Well, thank you very much for joining us with Ray today on this episode of Concerning Him and Amaze podcast. And uh, we hope to see you back here for the next podcast. Thank you for listening to Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast. Ministries like Concerning Him are possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner.